for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we're back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Ruby Mack. How's it going today, guys? Going great. Going well. Nice. Uh, So, first off, I want to thank you all so much for joining the podcast, giving us time to sit down and chat. I know we were supposed to do this on Monday, but I got stuck driving, and I just wasn't going to be able to make it back in time. So thankfully, y'all were flexible enough and able to make this work for today. So I'm really excited to sit down and chat with you and uh, get to know more about you. So for that, I thank you. Um, well, let's kind of start off for the people that aren't that familiar with Ruby Mac. What's the origin story? What brought you all together? Actually, first of all, let's have you guys introduce each yourselves individually so people have names to faces, faces to names. Sounds good. Cool. Um, I'm Zoe, and I play the guitar and sing as well. I'm Emma Ayers, and I play the guitar and I sing. I'm Abs, and I play fiddle and sing. I'm Abby Duquette, and I play bass and sing. We all sing. And in case y'all missed it, down below we have a very adorable puppy who's currently having her own Shark Week experience. She also sings. She also also is very good at it. She's my manager. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so how did y'all come together? How did Ruby Mac come together? What's the story behind that? You want to take it away? Okay. Well, I'll take it away. I was the last person joined, so that makes sense. I'll take it away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Zoe and Emma here knew each other from childhood. They're basically were they were basically raised as sisters. Their moms are best friends, and yeah, can you tell they look exactly alike? Um, and so they've been singing together forever. And they both went to UMass and continued playing there. They met Abs. UMass is University of Massachusetts Amherst. Yes. yes. Woo! Shout out Shout to the mater. <laughs> <laughs> and they went to uh, Gray Fox and were, you know, jamming together. Which and, is a bluegrass uh, music festival for those who aren't familiar with it. And they were playing together and someone came up to them and was were like, oh, are you guys a band? What band are you? And they were like, no, but great idea. <laughs> so thus started the band. And then a little while later, I came along and was like, hey guys, I play bass. And then- <laughs> That was it. That's and that was it. <laughs> and, and now we're- uh, Nice. And then how'd you come up with the name Ruby Mac? What, what's the story behind that? So, um, I used to work at an apple orchard and okay. um, I'm, I'm a good old New England gal, you know? Um, I've sorted many apples in my day and there's a romanticism to um, sort of the naming of apples uh, that I just sort of like would be spending my days like sorting, literally sorting apples and um, learning new names. And the name Ruby Mac 
um, is for a tart sweet variety of okay. Macintosh apple. Um, and that name just like really struck me um, and resonated with me. And um, we were uh, initially playing underneath um, my name, Emma June Band, uh, but we changed the name to Ruby Mac. And I brought the name to the band and they were like, everyone just felt sort of a unified vibration around it. And there's like a, a power and a sensitivity in that name that really speaks to, I think, the feel of this group as a whole. So Tart Sweet, Ruby Mac. Awesome. That story is a lot better than what I thought the name came from. Oh, what'd you think? <laughs> Tell us. So okay, so <laughs> you guys watch uh, Even Stevens back in the day? Yes. So the episode where Lewis goes to the BB Mac recording concert, Ruby starts calling herself Ruby Mac at one point. And that's no what I thought. Way. I do not remember that, but that yeah, is so funny. That should be that's, a story. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> we just love we just it. We're huge Stevens fans. I love that. I've really never funny. watched it. Never. <laughs> Apple sorted for life. Emma never like had a TV, <laughs> so she doesn't really know like references <laughs> to things. Other than sick Apple varieties like Ruby <laughs> Mac. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> I. I like your story better. I like the Apple story better. It, it makes a lot more sense. Where as I was just sitting here, I was like, what could the story be? What if it's something random like this? And then I was just like, yeah, so awesome. Um, and then well, let's kind of uh, get to know each of you individually a little bit better. And I guess we'll start with you, Abby. Um, what got you into music originally? Like what, what's your origin story into music? Hmm. Uh, probably church. Okay. I'm going to be that person. Um, <laughs> church choir. That's how I got into music. But my, one of my favorite stories is actually my brother, like heard me singing. He was, he's an incredible guitar player. And he was like, maybe that's not for you. And I was like, uh, and I, um, was like, stupid brother, you don't know anything. Um, and so I, continued to do musical theater. And then I fell in love with music theory, said no one ever. And I thought I was gonna be like a conductor. And then I was like, no, just normal folk music. Yeah, I moved, I went to Smith College in Western Mass and there's a vibrant folk scene here. And I kind of fell in love with this tradition and was like, yes, that is where I wanna put all of my energy. So that's kind of how I got into it. That's a bad story. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll kind of continue around the little semicircle you guys got going on there. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so I'm Abs again. Um, and I got into music when I was very young. Um, my parents, shout out to my mom and dad, um, brought me to a musical petting zoo. Um, which what? Apparently is a thing um, in Boston. I've never heard of it. Yeah. At Symphony Hall and there was a, a violin and three-year-old me was like I must play the violin so my dad made me a fake like cardboard fiddle and I apparently got a little attitude about it and was like no no I want to play the real fiddle so I started taking lessons and the rest is history. Yep. I have to say, when you said musical petting zoo, I imagine like a duck playing a horn. Like, I was like, I was like, what? Yeah, I've never heard of this. Yeah, like, like, you can just like kind of go up and see the different instruments. Jamming. And if they're chill, maybe sense. they let you pluck a string. I don't know. That makes <laughs> but, sense. Yeah, that's a story. I definitely met animals as well. Yeah. 
Zoo. <laughs> a musical petting zoo. Um, I guess my story has like two parts to it. One is um, when I was younger, I was obsessed with musical theater. And I think like just having like a narrative uh, or a story take the shape of a song was really powerful to me. Um, and so I used to like line up my stuffed animals on my bed and I had this like really janky old tape recorder and I would like pretend I was on Broadway like holding mock auditions for myself and my my animals were judging me. Um, and, and then I'd listen back and be like, no, you don't get cast in Fiddler on the Roof. I'm sorry, you just didn't make it. And I'd be like, I have to get better. I have to do better. This is not good enough. It's gonna be enough and, um, and so uh, that's like one facet of the obsession. So and then the second facet was, um, I think it really goes back to like the origins of like, I don't know how I was raised. I mean, I don't think like any, I, none of my family members are like overtly musical. Um, in fact, my dad is like one note Jim, like he's known for like just being really good at singing like one note. Um, but I like, my parents just brought a lot of music into the household and we listened to a lot of like Rafi and a lot of like, just we had, our, our lives were so rich. Like as a young child, I was like literally singing Bob Dylan. And I think like just seeping in that sort of folk tradition and that sort of like, that, that like became a part of my bones. Yeah, and as children, Emma and I grew up going to each other's houses like every other weekend. And so we would, our parents were into the classics and they just like, from day one, they were like, this is good music and you're gonna listen to it and you're gonna like it. So we were like, all right, I guess Bob Dylan it is. Like I'm seven and I don't really like it, but I guess it's my only option. But no, they, they introduced us to like a lot of great music. So for me too, it was that. And also my grandmother always tells the story, my mom's mom, um, she came up to visit us in Boston when I was a baby. And I was a screamer as a kid. Like I was the it's worst. True. I was literally I the worst. Everyone hated it. And my grandmother one time, I would not stop screaming and she was taking care of me. And she took me out in the stroller and strolled me around all over Boston. And there was uh, a band, some band was playing like on the town common. And I was screaming and screaming. And then when I heard the music, I instantly stopped screaming and just like was fixated on the music, just obsessed with it. And then we stayed for like a really long time because my grandmother was like, finally, this child like stopped screaming. And then finally it like, you know, we had to go home, but they were still playing the music and she starts wheeling me away. And then I start screaming again, <laughs> except this time it like matched up to the pitch of the music. <laughs> my grandmother was like, this child needs to be a singer. Like I bet, like she was like, this child's gonna be a singer. And so she always laughs about it. And she's like, I knew you were gonna be a singer from when you were like screaming when you were three. Like, it's so funny. So yeah, so it's cute. just been something that I've always done and like had to do, I guess. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. Nice eclectic bunch of stories and how everybody got into music. I, I really enjoy that. Um, so how did, did you guys kind of decide to uh, focus in on folk music? You mentioned that like, that's a huge scene up in Massachusetts or? Yes. I mean, I feel like it's not like, it's almost not even a choice. It's like yeah. what in, like naturally comes out. It shows like, us kind of. Okay. Yeah. It resonates with my soul. I've always just completely gravitated towards folk, always. I, and I guess, I don't know, for me, like, I just love the like, the sort of like historical lineage of folk being like a platform to like speak out and be like politically active and mm -hmm. a vehicle for like social justice organizing, like folk, the tool and power of a song, especially in the folk discipline, 
to me was always just so profoundly compelling. And so, I, yeah, again, like I would say like, it's, it's just like what, like what I, what like comes out. It's, it's, it's truly like authentically what we make. We're not trying to like fit a genre. Like we just are. That yeah. Genre. I think that I, I very much lucked out coming to UMass Amherst and coming to Western Mass for college because I had no idea that there is a big folk scene here. It's just mm -hmm. what I always loved. And I kind of, yeah, just fell into that and was so lucky to have so many you know beautiful musicians in the area that i could you know jam with or play with and that was that was huge for my college experience it was really made it special also folk there's so many like harmonies and like organic sounds that i think we're all drawn to a lot um and i think a like main focus in a lot of our music is our harmonies and that's something that really brings us together and like drives our sound. So I think that like, there's often just beautiful harmonies in folk music that definitely we were drawn to. And I, I feel like it's also like, there's so much room for, for poetry and words. Like I, I think that like, unlike maybe more of like a pop format where mm. you're writing in a way that is a little bit more like kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, like every day or like control, controlled or like organized in a certain way. I'm not really describing this very well, but like you can literally sing like an epic poem. Like you could sing, like you could open up a book of poetry and sing a melody over it and you would be singing folk music. Like, yeah. and that for me, like for me, uh, a song is like, again, a vehicle to like say something that I want to say. And words for me are, they have their own music to them. Like poetry is its own orchestration of music. And and the way you arrange words is also like its own sound and its own sort of like, so I, I guess um, for me, like I love the folk format because um, I, because I, I have a lot, I have a lot to say. She's got a lot to say. I got a lot, a lot to talk about there. So you guys got a new album coming out next Friday, math? Yes, yes. that's the week. Uh, Devil Told Me, uh, what's kind of the story behind, this is your debut album, correct? It is. Uh, what's the uh, story behind this album? Um, sure, yeah, I can take it. So we, um, I, I think it, it really just came together pretty seamlessly, almost by accident, but um, the story with the, the album name is essentially, um, so obviously we're named for Ruby Mac, um, and so the cover art is, is an apple um, and a snake and a lot of, or, you know, there's kind of a theme or a thread that runs through some of our songs that is like this religious theme. Um, and the, what do I want to say? Like the, um, the apple and the story of Adam and Eve was something that was kind of on our minds um and the reclaiming of of that story um i think for us the the story and um eve's search for knowledge and eve's curiosity isn't something to necessarily be ashamed of i think we're all very curious people and it's kind of like a little questioning of that story um and it just happened to kind of go with the apple and you know we have the snake weaving through the apple and album art and um, yeah, just, you know, different and a different interpretation of that story. Awesome, awesome. And uh, how long's uh, the album kind of been in the works? Is it a, a straight, is it straight? 
a really long time. Okay. It's a short answer. Yeah, short long answer, answer is um, uh, many of our songs Emma wrote okay. and playing them as herself. Mm -hmm. um, and then when the three of us started playing together, we kind of took her songs and they kind of started morphing slowly into a three-part band. And then we would play those songs out and they kind of had their own iteration and Emma had already started playing them. So it was like the second step almost. Mm -hmm. And then we actually recorded those songs, uh, some of them um, previously. And for a while they've kind of just been changing over the years um, with the different arrangements that we've played in. And then for this album, um, so many of those songs are on this album. Um, so they've kind of gone through a lot of metamorphosizing, is that a word, over, <laughs> over the years. Um, and this was how we felt like they were ready to be out there, mm -hmm. um, as well as we have a one song on this album, it's called Breadwinner, and it's an acapella four-part harmony, oh, wow. um, kind of like a short, sweet hug, you might mm -hmm. say, a squeeze. <laughs> and um, that was, I feel like, the, like, driving force behind us as a band and behind this album specifically. Yeah, it was the first song that we had all, all four of us collaborated on. Yeah, so we were really excited to push that on the album. So I guess, I don't, I don't even remember what the original question was, but <laughs> the album I think is really special because it's a lot of songs that have, we've done over time and that mm -hmm. have really come to this one point and then yeah. as well as new things that are happening. Um, totally. So it's kind of a culmination of what we've yeah. done in the past and where a we're little headed. bit of where we're going. Awesome. Um, and then what kind of, because I'm always interested in the like song selection process for albums. So what was that kind of like? How did you go through your catalog of music and decide, okay, this is going to make the album or yeah. I mean, I think we have been playing sort of a, like we've been like immersing ourselves in a particular set list for a while. Okay. And so I don't think there was like a lot of selection involved. I think the songs were like all kicking and screaming and ready to like be what they, what they are. And so um, I think um, because we're a new band, mm -hmm. um, maybe individually we might have like our own archives of what we've written, but I think that like we were ready to like really focus on these songs. It was very evident that these songs were the songs that were going to be recorded at least as an initial stepping stone for the band. So I wouldn't say like that was really yeah. part of that process. Okay. There are like, a lot of like when we perform live there are like other songs like in our catalog mm -hmm. but these were the songs that felt fully us. Okay. Because there's the history of Emma performing solo and then the three of them and then when we all came together I felt like this was like those these songs are Ruby Mac. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. And was there any concern or hesitation about releasing your debut album during current situations? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What? Wait, what? What situation? <laughs> current. Uh, yes and no. Okay. I, I feel like back with what Abs just said, of like it's like a little taste of where we're going. Mm -hmm. we, we're like ready to move forward and yes the world is like trying to stop everyone and like calm down and like we have done that but yeah. we also were like we need to get this music out like and we didn't 
yeah, as like a self-release debut album, we weren't thinking like, you know what? It would probably be better in the long run or better for strategically, blah, blah. We were just like, it's time for these songs to be born. <laughs> like, yeah. Their birthday needs to happen. They're, they're overdue. <laughs> you know, luckily we had recorded everything and I think the even the mixing and mastering were done prior. Is that correct? Not the, the mastering, mixing, but not the mixing. mixing was had like, been done pre-pandemic. Okay. So we actually, today is the first day that we are all seeing each other in person. We're merging bubbles, um, mm. but we haven't seen each other in like since March. Since, all of us together. I think since yeah. we recorded. Yeah. Um, it's so crazy. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow that's crazy so it's yeah it's so I'm so grateful to be all back together mm -hmm. and I'm so happy to finally let these songs get into the world happy birthday so the big question is you're about a week away from the release what's going through your head right now <sighs> what is going through my head I'm just excited I'm just Honestly. excited yeah I think it's been so encouraging, like the feedback we got on like the first couple yeah. singles. And yeah. again, like I always say, like sometimes being an, an artist feels like, like if a tree in a clear, uh, clearing like falls and, and makes a sound, but no one's there to hear it. Like mm -hmm. what, like did it actually happen? Yeah. That's like, literally a metaphor that I use. And it's mm -hmm. not like we live for affirmation, but we, we it's nice to have like that sort of like immediate response to something that like at least for me i'll say like with some of the lyrics that i've written it's so personal and it's like to have someone be like oh wow like i relate to that i connect with that i'm listening to that or i want to review that or i want to premiere that song on my you know my blog or my you know we we've gotten some really amazing response from the press immediately and that has been so affirming and yeah, so valid. I'm so grateful for it and I'm so and I feel so validated by it and I feel like that is like we, we have a lot of momentum and energy and a lot of people like in our corner like cheering for us and wanting this band to succeed and just being surrounded by that is just so exciting and I'm I feel like nothing but just like excited about just like letting this strange child like run free and then like make the next thing because yeah when you release something you're making space for whatever's to come and I think I'm, I'm very much ready for that yeah absolutely I think you know during the pandemic especially it's a very depressing time in general the world mm -hmm. is up in flames and in a lot of different ways mm -hmm. uh, but for us like I feel like or for me personally like getting to hear feedback and releasing the first few singles was such a light at the end of the tunnel because you know it's been so rough these past months and finally like you know being able to like put some art into the world and not only like do the art because we I feel like we all just have to do it like it's what we love and what we want to do but then hearing that piece and that affirmation like Emma was saying just was such a like happiness that I hadn't experienced in so long because we haven't toured in over almost I guess probably a, a year. year now. Oh, well. yeah. yeah. And I I assume in a perfect world you would love to have like a album release show and all that like be at a venue promoting all that fun stuff. Do you, are you trying to do any like virtual show or anything like that for to? We're glad you asked. We're so glad you asked. Yes. Okay. Yes, it's yeah. you. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> the 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we haven't like said it to the world yet. So I was just like, you know, quick, like, we can say this, right? Um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but. Friday, um, the 23rd in the evening time. The day of our release. The day release. of our release. We will do a live stream from Club Passim in Cambridge and it'll be like the one live stream that we have done this entire time and probably for a bit too. So if you want to see us perform live, this is the chance. This is it. Friday. Nice. Yeehaw. Yeah. I was actually, uh, before you guys jumped on, I was actually watching your interview uh, with club or with Passim. Uh, you guys did an interview back in June, I want to say, maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah was did. that our live stream variety? Yeah. Oh. Something like that. I, like, I, I just jumped on there and I was just like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to watch this for a little bit and just see what happens. And I got to the, I was watching, you were doing like a, you, the four of you were talking and I didn't get that deep into it. So. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Like very specific, it was first. Yeah. And what's uh, Pessim all about? What's kind of that? Like I was trying to do a little bit of research on them, but what's that all about? I got this one. Okay. Um, Pessim is a nonprofit organization in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay. And there are a lot of different hats. One of them is they are like, I feel like one of the oldest folk yeah, Passim is folk. Yeah, okay. is the oldest in like the history of this country. Okay. Um, originally called Club 47, that is where like literally where Bob Dylan and Joan Baez got their start. And like, it's uh, it, Passim tends to be like uh, the center of uh, per, like, it's like a home for a lot of mm -hmm. New England. They like come together. They like people will play with each other at Passim. It's like a very organic, very folk, very familial. Is that a word? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, <laughs> community. Yeah, very supportive um, environment. Matt Smith is the um, managing director. The the you know he he books everything and he creates him and Abby and the whole crew there um, just create this beautiful space and um, are all about folk. That's club. I worked there, so <laughs> that was my job to talk about it. Okay. And also, they're like really pro artist, which is like really revolutionary when it comes to just like venues in general. Like they, they, they compensate their artists fairly. They create grant funding opportunities for their artists during the pandemic. They responded with like a whole relief fund to the, art, the artists that have played there. They are so artist first, mm -hmm. and that's something like politically that is like a really incredible like sort of underlying component of their mission statement that is lived and breathed you feel so cared for there and yeah. that is yeah. so special and to that club specifically yeah, yeah. you play that's, and that's really awesome that there there are organizations and clubs out there that are really sticking up for the musicians in a time where like venues and stuff like that are closing by because they also act as a venue as well, right? Yeah. 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 At, um, but, um, just at a time where we're losing venues like crazy, you know, it, it it's great to see that they're they're really have a community and they're really building and supporting each other, and so that that's really exciting to hear. And 
So, um, so that show will be the day of the release. You don't have a specific time just yet. I imagine it'll be at like 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> Somewhere around. Somewhere. It will definitely post. We'll post more details about it. Definitely coming soon. So yeah, stay yeah. tuned. You know, Instagram, Facebook, a website, the whole nine yards. Ruby MacFolk. Com. Yep. Dot com. 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 Dot Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot Dot com. 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 So where are you guys at kind of creatively right now, now that you've got the album ready to drop? You mentioned that you're like wanting to start creating new stuff. Are you guys always writing? Are you guys like, where are you guys kind of at creatively right now? I would say Emma writes in her sleep. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think the pandemic has, I want to just speak for myself. It was a time of, like everything coming to a complete and utter stop. Like I lost all of my jobs. I lost basically everything. And I know that's experience for a lot of people. And also I have a lot of privilege in that loss, I have to say. Um, but through that time, I feel like I did a lot of writing and a lot of reflecting. And um, I mean, like we said, we haven't all been together. So there's like a lot of music that I've written that I'm looking forward to sharing with everybody. And um, I'm sure like, Others have had that experience as well, but I think um, I think that uh, there there's like I think something that's really special about this group is like there's sort of like a creative uh, and like karmic and cosmic synergy between everybody in a way that like only lends itself to um, to like exponential material, um, and I'm really I'm excited to see like what comes next and. And because we can't be on the road right now, you know, it's, it is, and we've made the decision to really, you know, be in the same space and see each other through the winter. I think that it will be a really exciting time um, for the incubation of future singles and um, sort of future larger recorded projects. So. Yeah, I think that I probably owe this group and the music that we are about to create and have been creating together my sanity over (laughs) these next, you know, coming months. Um, we, yeah, that was definitely for me, like part of the reason why I wanted to merge bubbles. It's just like, you know, feels sacred to be creating with these folks. And I'm so excited to be making new things again. Mm-hmm. I think it's, just, it's time and we're here for it. Nice. <laughs> How have you guys kind of been staying um fresh and rehearsed during the pandemic while you guys have been separated have you guys been doing like zoom rehearsals or you know anything like that we haven't um just because right when everything shut down i literally remember our last rehearsal and i'm pretty sure we were working on like three new songs like okay. that like just coming to be like that we have some stuff like some lyrics here some melodies here they're not like really songs yet but i remember like I think it was like a few days before everything like completely shut down. Um, and that was like, I don't know, we kind of 
we were done recording, so we don't really, we're not in a space where we need to be rehearsing the songs that are already on the record. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, we haven't really been rehearsing in that way. And we definitely, at least I felt like it was hard to really connect on Zoom in a mm. way that felt like genuine and that I could like actually show up and be like, all right, let's write a song. Like yeah. I definitely wasn't feeling like I could be in that space. Um, and now that we're like together, I'm like, okay, I don't want to do anything online. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm excited. I think in the winter, we're definitely going to be having the opportunity to play more and just, you know, be back together and be in a space that we can start working on those songs again that we've like been hearing, hearing snippets of from each mm. other. Um, so yeah, I think more is to come and we'll see what our rehearsal schedule yeah, can look I like. I like but... the like limit of our technology used like with each other as a band during the pandemic has just been like sending each other voice memos of things we've been working on and mm. us so excited about it but not really being able to work on it all together yeah. so now as of today that's that's kind of starting to change yeah. yeah abs and i tried the um like the the zoom oh, writing true. session yeah um but it's like not the same <laughs> yeah I'd, oh i'd imagine so uh, I think something that's, I mean, this is, I'm just speaking for myself, this is not a band, but I, um, I think some, a hope that I have though, is that, um, that we like emerging from the pandemic, obviously I know we're still in it, uh, but that we try to reimagine and rebuild, um, sort of like the expectations and infrastructure of the industry in a way that actually is healthier mm -hmm. and more sustainable. I think that like, because we, exist within the capitalist system, um, it ends up like putting this like sort of like pressure to like be a machine to like mm. out just like something new, something new, something new. And actually there's so much to be gained in stasis and pause and stopping and not having to like crank out the next new single. And I hope that like we can re we can rebuild something like rebuild a better world, not mm. just produce what was not working before anyway. And I think like, I'm, I really hope that, um, you know, now that like our country has proven that like they can pay people randomly $600 a week, just like out of the blue, like no problem, um, that like there's some sort of like reconsideration of infrastructure for like really compensating, you know, artists and compensating like the, the creative community so that we're not like burning ourselves out. Cause I'll say before the pandemic, I was about to drop the mic and just like, I was about, I was, I was fed up. I was so exhausted. Like, it's so hard to work five jobs and also yeah. be in a creative life that's remotely competitive in a, yeah. in a business context. So I just hope that we can, and by we, I mean like the big we. Like, yeah. we, better. we can do better. We can take care of people, like, people better. Yeah. This, is not, this is, we can do it. I believe it. You know, I, I will say the Spotify like business model, like whatever, whatever you want to call it for the current music industry. I've seen drive so many musicians crazy because it's, it feels like they have to continually be releasing music, like almost to, on a weekly basis, or they just kind of fall off the Spotify spectrum. And I do wish like, cause I remember as a kid, every two years or so my favorite band would come out with a new album and it was one of those things where it's like oh my god you hear 
Metallica came out with a new album, you know, like just naming a band. Uh, you know, it just came out with a new album. Oh, great. Let's go listen to it. And then like, it was a big thing. Anytime somebody dropped new music, now it's like, oh, they don't have a new song out. When was the last one they released? Oh, two weeks ago. They Okay. You know, and it, it's just like this weird thing where it's like, you're expected to just continually release music. Like you'd mentioned, um, like machines almost, you know? And so it, it, I don't know. Like, I'm not a musician, so like, I really don't have much room to speak on it. But just kind of seeing all my friends being pressured or feel like they're being pressured to continually just drop new music or new singles or whatever. So, yeah, yeah it definitely like sucks the soul a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of how our not just for music, but like how our society functions in general is just like keep grinding, keep going, don't take time to rest. Like you need to, you know, you need to be putting output, you need to be working, you need to be blah, blah, blah. And like, I think that, yeah, that's one thing probably for a lot, many people in the pandemic that we've had to pause and reconsider and be like, you know, spend time with ourselves, spend time resting, mm-hmm. like ourselves what we actually need and find that balance between, you know, output and input for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting because a lot of times during these interviews, I'll ask people how they position themselves, how they feel about 2020. And 99% of the time, oh, it's 2020, let's cancel it. Let's just get to 2021. You know, 2020 is just not a year we want to recognize. And it's like, but you're releasing, you're releasing this album you've been working on for the last year and a half. You really want to cancel the year you released it? At, like, you know, just like all this really, po- like I try and point out all these positive notes and they're like, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm trying to spread more positivity and like, don't cancel the year that woke you up, essentially. Yeah. That's yeah. You- yes. yes. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I think that 2020 is, yeah, a huge, I hope, turning point for, you know, the country. country. Yeah, I think people are starting, exactly like you said, starting to wake up to a lot of the injustices that have been going on for that, like, centuries. Yeah, literally. And it's just the pandemic has highlighted all of those injustices, kind of served them to us on a platter and we're having to face it because we don't have any like busy work. We don't have like as much going on. We're seeing it in, you know, real time. And we have time to protest. We have time to think about it. We have time to consider the way it's affecting our lives and the lives of the people around us. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that there's a lot of, you know, hope that comes from this year as well. And mm-hmm. I don't think completely discounted because yeah, like you said, people are waking up. So that's encouraging. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So pandemic, you guys have had some extra free time. What have you guys been doing with your free time? What do you do when you're not playing music? Um, what or do we working, do? you know, to like, or not working, or not working playing music. Um, um, it's funny. Cause like, in, I was going to say the first thing that popped into my mind, like my free time has been spent taking mandolin lessons which is also music (laughs) Um, it's just kind of like what brings me joy and like what I love doing in my free time um so I've been yeah taking some mandolin lessons I 
have been reading a little mm -hmm. bit more, which has been really nice. It's been a long time since I've read. How do, how do you like the mandolin? Like I've, it's been, I've just recently started diving into like more bluegrass and more Americana and folk type <laughs> stuff. And I've seen, I, every year we go to a bluegrass festival down in the Keys and I've seen some of the most amazing mandolin players ever. And before I wasn't ever, like, before I started going to that, I was like, probably didn't even know what the mandolin was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's been great. Yeah, I, it's nice for me because I obviously, like we talked about, um, grew up playing fiddle mm -hmm. and mandolin is the same strings as fiddle. Mm -hmm. So I kind of get to cheat with my knowledge bank of like, you know, my left hand, but it's learning the right hand and learning the like strumming patterns and all of that is completely new. And I've also been singing more like with myself playing and it gave me such an appreciation for these three lovely people because I realized I was like, holy bleep. Like they do that, they sing and, and strum and play every time we sing. And I, you know, I, I'll sometimes sing with fiddle, but I largely don't have to do that. And it just, yeah, it gave me a whole new perspective on what my bandmates are doing. So <laughs> that's where it is. I've been playing with my dog a lot. Uh, I've been, I got, I went through my entire to do list, which is like that's crazy. Amazing. I can't yeah. believe it. It was actually scary. I'm a Virgo, and um, my to-do list is my life. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't even know. Just I, spending time with my family. I have a fixer-upper, um, which is less of a fixer-upper now, thanks to the pandemic. But uh, I was working a lot on my house and learning a lot of new things about all of that, and um, and. Oof. Um, I really, I had to like creatively respond to my finances. Uh, very I got denied initially from unemployment because it was before they created pandemic insurance. Yeah. And so I was like, ah. And I was teaching um, Zoom sing-alongs for babies and toddlers. What? Which was hilarious. <laughs> they log on themselves. And they're like, yeah. the username, baby. <laughs> and we do like, like pots and pans jams. So it was like, just little kids being like, <laughs> but like I made, it was helping me pay my bills. I think for me, initially, I was still having to like figure out how to like make my whole financial world go around. But once I like figured out the unemployment situation, then I was able to like, um, like, I don't know, go on nice hikes and um, come out as gay and um, <laughs> a bunch of other things that I've been sort of on my to-do list, you know? <laughs> Check. <laughs> Amazing. That's the best thing I've heard. I think this also like, this might be like I'm not sure if I'm projecting onto you right now, but I really feel like I've seen you learn how to rest. Oh yeah. During this like, pandemic, rest, like Emma rest. is like go 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 all the time. Like you know, working so much, working so many jobs, like to do you know music, what she loves. But I feel like all of us in different ways have learned to actually rest yeah. during this time. I'm like, you know, if I feel like taking a nap, I'll take a freaking nap. Like, yeah. or if I feel like I need something, I'm like, oh, I actually deserve to take this time to do that for myself before mm. going and doing that thing I need to do. And in the long run, it like helps, it helps productivity to rest because mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. you're just producing all of the time, then like, 
you get burnt out and you don't want it. And if you rest, then you're like, okay, now it's time to do something. And resting again, like you may, you may come to know that I'm a very political person, (laughs) but, but resting is actually like a political choice in a capitalist. Like I am taking a nap. Yep. Like take take that that. nap. (laughs) Take that. As someone who's never struggled with <laughs> being told I need to rest, um, I don't know. Like, the pandemic has been weird for me. I think, like, it's made me be, it's made me, like, realize what I really enjoy doing because, mm-hmm. like, everyone's like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just living. I'm just existing. Like, and I think before the pandemic, I'm always someone who's like, okay, screw it. I don't want to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm out. Or like, I am going to go take a nap. Like, peace. Yeah, you sure. are good. Um, <laughs> but like, with the pandemic, it was kind of more like, okay, well, now that my only option is to take a nap, like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. So I think for me, it like challenged me to like, set more of a routine of like, what makes me feel good on like my day-to-day life and like, yeah how do I not rest too much? Because that for me, like, it's easier for me to just like, when I'm not feeling good or like, I'm like, you know, Emma is more of like a run, run, run. And I'm more of a like lay down. Um, So yeah, it's definitely been interesting. I have been doing a lot of yoga um, throughout the pandemic. I recently in June finished a training to be a yoga instructor. So I've been, doing a lot of yoga and recently I've actually started teaching um a yoga class to 12 year old boys which is very hilarious um okay. I nanny as my job so I like teach yoga now okay. and really really funny guys I have some <laughs> great stories um but yeah so I guess I've had the opposite challenge as them in that in that way awesome. you know it it's funny because I was thinking as I asked that, or as uh, Emma, as you were talking, I realized I've gotten less sleep during the pandemic because oh. they've got me working from home. So it's a lot easier for me to lose track of time and just kind of be working. Like I remember there was a couple of times where my boss logged on to Slack at like three in the morning and was like, hey, why are you still up working? You need to go to bed. Like, it's yeah. like but I'm making headway. I'm almost done with this. And they're like, yeah, but go to bed. Like, seriously. And then, so I'll log off of Slack and then I'll stay up for another two hours working on something completely different. So yeah, I've had the exact opposite of all of you where I get less sleep, so. Like a coping thing too, right? We don't need to be, we don't need to do therapy, but I mean like that's probably like a way that like that propelled you through the pandemic yeah we all cook in different ways yeah so much ice cream it was amazing (gasps) me too so much about a pint every well sometimes a night but like every two days (laughs) imagine this fill up the bath with like scalding hot water your dream you have your glorious thick pint of ben and jerry's cookie dough or cookies and cream or chocolate espresso cookie (laughs) you just lie back and you're in your bathtub and you've set up your little stool right Mm -hmm. next to the bathtub Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. pull the top on Mm -hmm. but 
cover girl, put that bass in, bass in your walk. I just looked, I felt like my mother in that moment. That was really weird. Sometimes I like, coming on 30. RuPaul's Drag Race, baby. I ate so much ice cream early on during the pandemic. I had to switch over to the Target brand ice cream. Because I ate so much of it that it was getting really expensive. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was just like, okay, I'm eating cookie dough ice cream as it is. So I'm going to just get the $2 quart or whatever it is. And it's, I'm not really going to notice the difference. I got to the next level that I bought a roll of cookie dough chips Ahoy cookie dough and a ice cream. And I was like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah, right. Yeah. You needed that. Video. That's funny. That's so amazing. I love it. Oh, um, so right now. after all this talk of ice cream, I am literally drooling. <laughs> so as I have a specific. And Jerry, can you hear us? We're only twenty miles from the border. Oh my God! Yes. Uh, yeah, I can't afford Jerry's anymore, so I, I had to put them away. I, I so. Be well, I found the secret though, because the twenty-four hour CVS around the corner from my house always has two for one deal. Okay. It's not always, but almost always in the Ben and Jerry's department. So or check out your in the Ben and Jerry's department. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ben and Jerry's is so important to have their own department. <laughs> we actually have Ben and Jerry out back right now. They're Nope. They're churning. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You are <laughs> milking, milking the cow. I put at least an inch of butter on my toast now. It just. Pandemic. <laughs> Pandemic. You only live once, right? Exactly. Just go for it. Just go for it. He has a saying which he, he calls Yaloa, which is actually you only live over and over again. <laughs> it depends on what your background of that. philosophy is. That's, I'm, I, I'm more of a Yaloa gal yeah. and less of a Yolo gal, but yeah. I still Yolo hard on that time. Yes. And that's where we learned our existential dread from a very young age. Yes. <laughs> One day you will be the fly in the jar. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Anyway, so anyway, oh, so listening right now, you can find us at 22 News. Take it away. Thank you for that, Mike Clown Emma. Um, nice to see everyone. Uh, you can find us at rubymacfolk.com. You can also find us at rubymacfolk on Instagram, and you can find us at rubymac on Facebook. And Zoe, how is Mac spelled? You spell Mac with a K. M-A-C-K. Mac. Because there are four of us. There's four of us. Four letters. Really? Mac. A. Folk. They all have four letters. Crazy how that works. <laughs> so yeah. Folk.com. We'll see you there. Awesome. Awesome. So be right before we end it, I have one question for Abs specifically. Because you are the resident fiddle player. I hate that I am. They are. So... I have been trying to find a left-handed fiddle so I can learn how to play. Oh, lefty. Because I don't have the dexterity in my left hand to play a right-handed fiddle. Can you just put it on your other shoulder? And restring it the other way? Yeah, you can restring it. That's what um, Elizabeth Cotton, who is an amazing um, old-time Black um, folk artist, she okay. 
left-handed and she played guitar, she restrung her guitar like with the opposite strings. Okay. Left-handed. So I bet you can do the same thing with the fiddle. Okay. Because I brought that up to one of my buddies. He's like, that sounds like the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Yeah, it doesn't really exist, but you can make it. Privilege started. Elizabeth Cotton shouts yeah. out like, that, that sounds better than my original idea of learning how to play the fiddle backwards. Yeah, people do, also do that. I don't so. know. That sounds, I can't. That sounds hard. See, that sounds, to me, I'm going to be like your friend, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> Just switch to the chord. <laughs> Just switch to me. Uh, but, okay, I will do that. I didn't, I was trying to work the math through my head to see if I could string it backwards, and it, but I will do that. Yeah, because maybe. I could because I'm sure, some, I'm sure I, YouTube has a tutorial. Yeah, someone hey, probably where we are done now. it, but that's what I would suggest. It's been okay. done. Okay, perfect. Because my job, out of pure curiosity, for some reason, they bought us all subscriptions to Masterclass. Shut what? up. That's and so for for one year. So I've got like four months left. I want to say. You still have four months. So I'm going to go find my fiddle. And luckily the pawn shop, they've got a bunch of them. I don't know. Yeah. You play guitar, you said, too? What's that? You play guitar? No, I don't. No. Okay. Anyway, I, if you want to play guitar, Annie Clark has a master class that I really want to. It's Annie Clark, who is St. Vincent, right? I think. I know it's Annie. Yeah. Anyway, you should check that one. <laughs> okay. I, I sent uh, the login information to my buddy who plays guitar, because uh, I think Carlos Santana has a master class on there. So just just so you know, next next time in four months, you're gonna be on our show and we'll be interviewing you about yeah. how you shred lefty by lift. Yeah, that's like a whole brand. I love that yeah. for you. Awesome. Yeah. I, well, because it's funny, I was tr asked, I asked somebody else that played violin why it's so hard to find a left-handed violin. And they're like, well, it has to do with um, as being aesthetically pleasing as part of an orchestra. Oh, I think, I think that's actually true. I used to play in an orchestra. I feel like I have heard that before. It's like somewhere in the very depths of my memory. Or yeah. there's also like weird Catholic, uh, oh my God, my brain. Catholic. Like Catholic undertones around like left, like, like being right touched by the devil. Yeah. So like classic. Devil told devil me. Told me. <laughs> nice. Nice segue. That is the perfect. <laughs> and that's a wrap, boy. <laughs> perfect segue. Oh, uh, and so where could everybody uh where could everybody find you again online? All that fun stuff? Find us at rubymacfolk.com. They can find us at rubymacfolk on Instagram and they can find us actually on Twitter as well and on Facebook at rubymac. And everyone, how do we spell Mac? M A C K. <laughs> I hated him. She's that. a theater teacher. So <laughs> actually, <laughs> what well, you know? It's funny that you spell it out like that because that's how I thought it was always spelled. And then my buddy uh, from when I was growing up as a kid, he spelt it M A C because his full name's Mackenzie. Uh, yeah. And so it was MAC, and I was like, no, I thought it was MACK. And then. Yeah, you're correct. You're right. The left handed middle player said so. Yeah. So that's <laughs> And he is a prodigy. He knows. He knows. Yeah, I, I hope I'm good. Like, I, I hope I can at least not embarrass myself. No, no, no. It's, 
it's a whole process. It's a journey, but it'll be a fun journey. So that's also you can't embarrass yourself if you're like just proud and having fun and and also like there's probably like way fewer people to compare yourself to as a left-handed fiddle player. So no matter how bad you are, you'll probably still be the best. (laughs) You know, it's funny though because the only reason I want to learn how to play fiddle is so me and my uh, the other guys in Live and Amplified can write one bluegrass song yeah. called Bugatti in a Bait Shop. <laughs> and it's about no matter how much money you have, you still got to enjoy the little things. Oh, Hell yeah. So, and it's inspired by a true story. We were down in the Keys oh. and we drove past a bait shop and there was a Bugatti sitting in the parking lot. Oh, okay, just like a rinky dink small town bait shop so there you go love it but um once again i want to thank you guys so much for jumping on the podcast i really appreciate that um thanks for having us i just wanted to say after following the all right i just wanted to say i wish you all the luck with the left-handed fiddle i think you'll do awesome thank you i will keep you guys updated i will let you know i'm going to go to the pawn shop on my next paycheck which is friday and Oh, the day our album comes out, you mean? Oh my God. Yeah. On the 23rd. Woo. Awesome. So, Thank but, you so much for having us. Absolutely. And stay safe, stay radical. <laughs> and what were you going to say? I was going to say, thanks again. Uh, thanks you everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.